Welcome to episode seven of It's All Relative. We are very excited to cover all aspects of football for you, college, NFL, and fantasy football. Uh, first, let me introduce the Fanspeak family and team. We have Steve, my brother, who is the NFL, our NFL uh, draft resident expert. Uh, Steve, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Um, we are very excited over on this side. Uh, Steve and I are, and our family, are Washington Nationals fans since we suffer through the Washington Redskins. It is nice to have the Nationals and a championship in D.C. So how are you doing post-celebration, Steve? Uh, it, definitely enjoying the day after. It was a nerve-wracking postseason and series, but uh, they came through and, you know, they they showed and you know it's different than uh football when you have just one game but you know in series sports like baseball basketball hockey it's about you know not giving up getting hot you can go on the road and win uh you typically don't go on the road four times and win but <laughs> um you know that was that was a real impressive series last night that ended last night yeah they were a fun team to watch uh, we also have Brad, who's our data manager and our cousin. And uh, Brad, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite all right. All right. Well, before we jump into college, we like to do a GIF or a movie quote or something to start the week, uh, wrap up the week in football. I honestly could not think of one. Um, so I was just going to say, as a Nats fan, um, mine will just be We Are the Champions. I was going to play it, but then I was scared Apple would flag us or something. So... Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why, why chance it? Brad, actually, funny family story, though. Do you remember the one and only time I, I won the family championship? I played We Are the Champions when I beat you in the family oh fantasy, fantasy like Super Bowl. Point six. I know. It was less than a point, right? I think it was like based on like a sack or like a forced fumble or something like that. Too. Down. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was, it was stupid. not based on a kneel down. It was not based on a kneel it down. It might as well have been. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I Brad, how many you've won the Super Bowl once or twice here for our family fantasy league? Just once, but I've But you've been in it like twice. Okay, okay. I knew, okay, I knew you'd been to I knew you'd been to, been to the big game plenty of times. So anyways, I just had flashbacks talking about we are the champions and taunting you and playing that in your face right. the one time, which was, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> All right, well Brad, what's your what's your quote of the week? Um so it's more of a meme. Um, mm -hmm. because those are easier. Um, <laughs> so are you guys familiar with the meme with the Spider-Man villains where it's like me and the boys and then it has something else after that? Well, the way I'm looking at that meme now, it's the San Francisco running backs when they're <laughs> healthy. There's just me and the boys, you know, scoring touchdowns, winning games because there's it does, seems like it doesn't matter who they put in. They're productive. They get the job done. They do what they want. And they did it on Sunday. They've done it all year. They're going to do it probably tonight as well. Tonight. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, it's Tevin Coleman and the boys. So, <laughs> Tevin Coleman and the boys. I was going to say, who are you picking tonight? Who should we play on DraftKings tonight? Uh, probably Tevin. He seems yeah. to be the healthiest and the healthiest, yeah. The, the, the one getting the majority of the, their carries. The goal line work also. Yeah, especially with uh, Wilson out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, what's your quote of the week? Uh, I did a meme also, and it's, you know, the um, the cartoon picture of the the room burning down and the and the, the 
character going saying this is fine uh drinking coffee and to me that's that's the jets right now uh not only the disappointment of the way they played these last couple weeks uh with sam darnold back after all the excitement of them beating the cowboys their mismanagement and misuse of their assets like Le'Veon bell and jameson crowder then with the trade deadline it's bad enough that you openly talk about trading away guys like Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams, who should be key cornerstones of, uh, you know, going forward for this team. But then you don't trade them away, and now you have to try and make amends. And I guess a report came out today, Bell and Gase talked, and, and everything's fine. But Jamal Adams is very upset. And, you know, that that's not an ideal situation. I mean, he's your defensive star, um, you know, kind of the heart and soul of that defense you you know you did trade away um you know Leonard Williams which I think they they were right to do but it's I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better maybe they get a win this week hopefully they get a win this week they're playing the Dolphins uh but other than that it could be a rough rough go for the rest of the way for them yeah well guys let's shift into college football first and um as always we are going to do um a breakdown of stats by Brad and player prospects by Steve. So Brad, I'll let you go first. Give us the three team stats that you think is most key, either from this past weekend or going into this, this coming weekend. Um, So the first one I want to highlight is the Clemson stat. Um, It's a couple team ones, but um, they've won 23 straight games um, now, which is pretty, pretty darn impressive. But um, this year, there's only been one team to score more than 14 points, um, and that's, you know, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, <laughs> that's not a... Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but I think people are really kind of overlooking Clemson because of the offense and not the defense. And, you know, I think that goes back to Trevor Lawrence making riskier decision decisions, decisions throwing the ball to... Cause Two things. One, he has these great receivers where he's just going to let them jump up and get it, um, try and make a play. And then also, when you have a defense that won't let up any points, you know, one or two picks doesn't look as bad. But that's not a good habit to be in when you start playing teams better than North Carolina. Um, They should still win out. I mean, the toughest game left is against Big Forest. Um, And then... You know, the conference championship game should be mostly a breeze. And then they'll, if they win out, they, they, they'll they make it to the college football playoff. And then we can truly see how this offense attacks a, uh, a very good defense or a more talented defense. Um, another fun stat, this isn't related to that, but um, UNC's quarterback, Sam Howe, on this past Saturday, he went 10 for 26 or something. But okay. all 10 of those completions were for a first down. And his average um, um, yardage per completion was 22.6. So he only had 10 completions, but, you know, got over 200 yards. So Wow. Pretty poor, but I just thought that was a fun stat. Yeah. Uh, it's and you were fun. there for that game, yeah. correct? It's only fun since they won, but um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't see something like that on any sort of level of, of football. Um, but my next team stat stat is about Oklahoma's defense. Um, they gave up 426 total yards to K State, and K State went on, Kansas State this past weekend. Sorry, um, Kansas State went on 
to win 41 to 6 um after the first quarter and before like so between the first and pretty much the fourth quarter Kansas State went on a 41 to 6 run um and they just ran the ball down Oklahoma's defense it's like the defense just i mean they've never had a good defense but they just did not care they just acted like you know we're Oklahoma we're going to win this game why should we try well right. <laughs> You should try because you just got steamrolled. <laughs> um, and then that with that game, Baylor now you know controls its destiny to be the. I mean, they'll probably end up playing Oklahoma twice if they do win out. But um, the fact that Baylor could be the front runner of the Big Twelve representatives in the college football playoff discussion is quite you know, a turnaround. I mentioned the turnaround last week, how they were just 0-7 a couple years ago, but now they could be in the college football playoff discussion if they keep winning. Um, and then the next one, next stat, team stat I have is, it's more, it's another defensive-based one. It's, uh, it's about Utah in the last four games, which they've all won. Um, they have been outscoring opponents 146-23. to 23. Um Utah needs to win out to make it to the championship game. And their best chance to make the college football playoff is if Oregon also wins out. So there's two one-loss teams facing. And then the winner of that has a slimmer outside chance than most teams. But they still have a chance um, at, the, at a spot in the playoffs. So um, there's a, it's, the picture's starting to you know, become a little bit clearer. Right. But there's still a lot of big games left and a lot of conference championships up in the air, you know. Um, so it's starting to get good. Unfortunately, this this week, uh, a lot of the top teams are uh, off, but you still got the uh, the world's largest cocktail party going on. So it'll still be fun to watch. But yeah, it's uh, coming down to the wire. That's right. Steve, any um, feedback on Brad's stats before we get into the players? Uh, well, no, I, I think the, those are great stats. And, I, I, you know, I just think this was an interesting week. This was the week of upsets. I mean, we saw a number of uh, ranked teams lose to unranked teams. Kansas State knocking off Oklahoma, easily the biggest, but there were others. And then Michigan upsetting Notre Dame uh, was another big upset. So while we saw the typical blowouts, we saw, you know, Clemson, Minnesota, the you know, these teams like Steamroll, Alabama in, in a conference matchup, though Arkansas is not that good this year, Ohio State. Now I'll get to them in one second. We did see a number of upsets this week, which is something we had been lacking. And then we saw some really close games, like that Oregon-Washington State game. Obviously, that LSU-Auburn game was really good. Um, so we actually did get some good college football this week, this past weekend, which was, which was fun to see. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, and this goes into the prospects, is uh, Wisconsin running back. Jonathan Taylor has played 35 college games now and, and over that time has over 5,000 rushing yards, averaging probably somewhere in the ballpark of 6.5 yards a carry over that time. And, you know, those numbers are, of course, insane, and that's what makes him one of the top running back prospects, likely a potential first-rounder. In, in those 35 games, only two teams have held him under three yards a carry, and both times that's Ohio State. And they did just again um, this past weekend, just absolutely dominated him. 
uh, I think not only does this show, you know, that Wisconsin cannot rely just on their running game, but I think this shows just how much better Ohio State is than the rest of the Big Ten. Um, you know, they really are, you know, them and Clemson and, and to some degree Oklahoma, these are teams that are, you know, they should be, they're just dominant teams in their conferences. And, um, you know, really their only competition are SEC teams or the, the other teams I just mentioned. So, you know, maybe Penn State will, will really make it a run. I mean, they're obviously having a really good year, but I just don't see a team that's going to go, go and beat Ohio State. Um, and I, I just think this Ohio State team, they just find ways to dominate every week. Uh, you know, they this quarterback Justin Fields. He's he was a top prospect. He can do he can do it all, but he doesn't even have to, uh, just because of the way they're winning and the way they're playing. So um, that you know to get into the prospect debate, that's where I wanted to start, and then I wanted to go on the other side of the ball with Ohio State and talk about Chase Young, the best pass rusher in the nation. Had four sacks, just unblockable. Um, you know, this, this is a guy. He's either going to go first overall if he get, goes ahead of the quarterbacks or he'll go right behind quarterbacks depending on how the draft order and of course trades play out so um just a fantastic prospect and uh ohio state's you know top guy this year how would you rank him to other pass rushers in past nfl drafts uh you know i think he's very comparable to some guys we have seen go number one like miles garrett like uh you know um Clowny, uh, he's faster than Clowny. I mean, mm-hmm. very comparable to the Bosa brothers, mm-hmm. really dominating the NFL. Uh, and I think that's the debate teams have to have is, you know, Miles Garrett went number one versus quarterbacks, but if the Browns could redo it now, they'd probably take Mahomes. Um, for and and that's not even saying anything about what Baker's season has been this year. Uh, you know, you, if you get a if you know that a quarterback's an elite quarterback, you take the quarterback. Uh, but by the same token, if they're not, you should be taking the pass rusher. And you go right. back to the J- Jadavion Clowney year, and top quarterback that, sh- that year was Blake Bortles, who went uh, <laughs> third to the Jags. Of course the Texans made the right call, taking Clowney number one. And, and you know, Johnny Manziel and Teddy Bridgewater were the other first-round quarterbacks, and Clowney's a better player than those guys. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it depends. It depends on what your evaluations end up being. But, uh, you know, Young, Young is an ex- extremely talented prospect. Uh, edge rushers are, are probably the one position that really can make the case if you're unsure about a quarterback to take over a quarterback. Uh, but I, I think this year there's enough hype surrounding these QBs. We'll see how they get picked apart with, you know, events like the Senior Bowl, the Combine. Um, you know, injuries, obviously, too, is dealing with an injury. How he comes back from that is going to go a long way to determining his draft status. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll have to see at the end of the day. But Chase Young is an elite talent, and whoever gets him is going to be a very, very lucky NFL team. So which other players after this past weekend were, were kind of your biggest um, risers on your draft board? Any other names of note? Um, I, think, I think what we saw... We're seeing more confirmation. I mean, one of the most impressive performances wasn't his best game of the year, but Joe Burrow, tough game it was at home, but versus Auburn, a very good defense that Brad's highlighted before. 
um, you know, goes out and throws 320 in a touchdown in, in a very, very tough game. Um, he's really cementing himself as one of the top quarterback prospects. Uh, you know, I think uh, Travis Etienne from Clemson, you know, Boston College, not the greatest team in the ACC, but he runs right through them. 109 carries, three touchdowns. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 109 yards and three touchdowns on just 16 carries. Um, you know, he's showing himself to be one of the top top players, uh, top backs. So, you know, I think we're starting to get the confirmation on some players that we expected and, um, and you know, kind of really starting to slot them in uh, in a more correct um, evaluation. Sure. Um, I know you said this is kind of an elite offensive line draft. How do your um... – in the, the on your big most recent big board, what is your top three offensive lineman as it stands now? Uh, well, Andrew uh, Thomas from Georgia, uh, uh, Walker Little uh, Stanford. He is dealing with an injury. He would still be in my top three. I like Tristan Wirfs uh, from um, Iowa. He hasn't had the greatest of years, but there's a lot of raw talent there. Um, those are those are three of my top guys, uh, but it, it's a very very strong um, group that I think we're going to see a good six, maybe even seven offensive tackles and one or two interior linemen go in the first round. Wow! And are um, many of these expected to be at the senior bowl? Um, I guess well, we have to wait to see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there are some senior offensive linemen, and I would expect a couple. Uh, first round talents to be there as we saw a year ago. Probably not these any of these top guys if mm-hmm. they're eligible. Um, right. But yeah, the senior bowl typically gets a couple first round talents along the offensive line. Yeah, I've noticed that. That's why I wanted to ask. And as always, we cover the senior bowl. As always, we mentioned Steve's big board. Be sure to check out on the clock our mock draft simulator. Uh, it helps you learn about the players while you be the while you are the GM and make picks for your team while the simulator simulates the draft for the other 31 teams. So check out on the clock um, on FanSpeak. Um, to wrap up college football, guys, why don't you give us our your game of the week to watch? Brad, what's your game of the week to watch? Oh. Sorry. Obviously, the, the biggest game is the Florida-Georgia game, but I think another interesting game would be the, uh, the Utah-Washington game. Um, you know, there's a sure. lot going going on in that uh, that conference. Um, you know, big game for Utah if Washington ever wants a shot at trying to make it to the uh, the conference championship game. Um, they got to win that. You know, big implication for that that conference. And then, um, as always, the the biggest game in the coastal of the ACC division, <laughs> the ACC conference, is the uh, UNC Virginia game. Oh, that's a big one. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably always mention the coastal because you know the coastal gets as weird as it can possibly get. Um, right. You know, a game ending with a a jump pass interception. You know, you just don't see that very often. Or, you know, one of the the worst teams in the division um, beating Pittsburgh on the road in a in a rainstorm. So. It's fun football. It's weird football, I should say. But yeah. <laughs> and you have a little rooting interest too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll be watching that one. 
Okay, uh, Steve, what's your game of game of the week? I'll stick with the Pac-12 and go the uh, Oregon USC game. You know, Oregon is ranked seventh. Um, you know, they obviously need to win out and get some help if they hope to get a, in college football playoff. But if not, you know, the Rose Bowl is always a, a big thing for for uh, who who wins out west in the Pac-12. And USC is a solid team this year, five and three, um, four and one in, in the conference. So, um, you know, winner of this game will, uh, you know, likely be matching up uh, in, in the championship game and the conference championship game. And, um, you know, we'll see. But I, I really don't think the Pac-12 gets a, a uh, playoff team this year. So, but I, I think it's an interesting conference game to watch. Okay, well, that's a fun way to wrap up um, our college portion. Now let's move on to NFL, do kind of a point-counterpoint. We're going to start with kind of the, our mid-season awards. We're at that point of the season. Um, gosh, the season's going by too fast. Um, and I'm a Redskins fan saying that, so that shows you how much we love football here. Um, but anyways, let's um, kind of get your take on all the big awards and if if they were to be awarded now. Uh, Brad, if we were to award the MVP for the midpoint of the season, who's your MVP? Um, I'm leaning towards uh, either Russell Wilson or or Aaron Rodgers. Um, Russell Wilson, he has you know 15 touchdowns, um, 2,000 yards passing, only one interception. Um, without him, I think the Seahawks team come become goes from above average to quite bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's been carrying that team for a while now, especially without the defense they used to have. Um, he's literally doing it all. And um, so I think he is kind of the front runner there for MVP um, as far as things go. Okay. Steve, who's your M- midseason MVP? I-, I like the Russell Wilson call. I think if Carolina had found a way to beat the 49ers, I probably would have given it to Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, it's just tough to pick an MVP. I mean, you know, Carolina still has a winning record and, and they still very well could make the playoffs, but, um, you know, they're, they have an uphill climb right now, but, um, so McCaffrey, I think is in the mix. I think Dalvin cook deserves some credit. These guys are backs who are just doing it all. Um, and while I don't think cook is carrying the Vikings as we saw those weeks when, uh, you know, the Vikings actually decided to throw the ball. they, can do that quite well uh, in addition to running the football. But these are two backs who are just dominating every time they touch the football and uh, have helped their team get a lot of wins. Um, I will, but I, I actually like the, uh, um, giving it back to Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people at the start of the season were questioning him, questioning this team. And, you know, these last couple of weeks, Rodgers has just been lights out. And, you know, I think he, it just goes to show just how good he is and uh you know what he can do especially if he ever gets uh down and out he's not down and out you know he can come back he can have a big game so uh this Packers team now you know they've figured some things out on uh how they're deploying these running backs and think when they get all their receivers fully healthy they're going to be scary down the stretch yeah, agreed. Um, well, let's go to Coach of the Year. Brad, who's your midseason Coach of the Year? Um, I don't either have to give it to uh, Shanahan or uh, Frank Reich. Um, you know, the 49ers, 
poor season last year. You know, you could attribute that to the the uh, quarterback, but you know they're not really using their uh, their quarterback this year, Garoppolo, as you know, like a Mahomes. They rely on Mahomes and the offense a lot. It's the the team's built through the defense, and mm-hmm. you know you don't see people going that route as often anymore. I mean, you still need a good defense, but their defense has been dominant, and um, the turnaround on that defense this year from last year or even two years ago has been, um, you know, night and day. They're also undefeated, so that does help. Um, yeah. And then Frank Wright, you know, the Colts might be the one of the best coach teams um, in the league because of him. Um, I don't think they're particularly the most talented. They do have extremely talented players, but um, as a whole, they're as, you know, solid as it gets as a team and you know winning um not saying Brissett's a bad quarterback or anything but you know he's not Andrew Luck and you know they they were going to be just fine but you know they're looking to possibly win that that win that division and right um be one of the better teams in the AFC if they can keep this trajectory going absolutely well I think those are two excellent coaching choices Steve who would be your midseason coach of the year yeah I mean i like both of those, I really love the Frank Wright call. And, and in that vein, the guy I'm going to mention is Sean Payton. Um, you know, the job that they did winning all these games without Drew Brees, some of them without Alvin Kamara, um, and, and other injuries. I mean, Jared Cook's been injured. Uh, Trey Quan Smith's been injured. They had an offensive line miss some time. They've had some injuries on defense. Not phasing them. You know, they're just winning every game. And, and they played some tough teams in that stretch. I mean, some... A couple easier games as well, but uh, highly impressive because when you saw uh, when Teddy Bridgewater first came in for uh, for Drew Brees, it looked like he just had zero grasp of the offense, and this offense was just going to sputter. And yeah, you know they. And then when you have Alvin Kamara dealing with injury and then missing some time on top of that, you really think they're in trouble. But this team didn't miss a beat, and. Um, you know, they have been just so impressive this year and just as dominant as the Packers, just as dominant as the 49ers. Granted, they do a one loss, but uh, I give Sean Payton a lot of credit. And, you know, this is a team that has just missed, uh, you know, they had the Minneapolis miracle two years ago and, and then the, the blown ref call last year in their postseason. I mean, this team arguably was the, the best team in the NFC the last two years, and they just haven't missed a beat. And, um, uh, that that's not easy when you you deal with some of these injuries. Yeah, agreed. So last one is uh, Brad. Who's your midseason rookie of the year? Um, I have I have two guys in mind. I think one is a uh, Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. You know he is tied for the league in tackles for loss. Um, I if I read that correctly, didn't read that correctly, but um, he does have seven sacks, which is leading all rookies. Um, yeah, you know he's got an interception force fumble, 13 QB hits. And at this at this pace, he could be even in contention for defensive player of the year. Right. Um, but, you know, he's been, like I mentioned earlier, that defense is, you know, something else. Just his, adi- his addition has really helped them transform into a defense that other teams fear. Um, right. And the other player I, uh, I want to mention is Josh Jacobs. You know, he's been running very well um that team has been playing a lot better than people 
thought they were, you know, you know, after the Antonio Brown um, fiasco and, right. you know, it being the Raiders, no one really puts much stock into the Raiders now and the whole, even going back to trading Khalil Mack, you know, they're three and four, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're competitive in a lot of their games and, you know, they've beaten some decent teams and uh, Josh Jacobs has been a, a huge part of that. Absolutely. Steve, would you agree? Or who is your uh, midseason rookie of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, typically I'd love to throw another name out there. Uh, <laughs> I think the one other name that deserves consideration is Josh Allen, the other top edge rusher yeah. uh, from Jacksonville. He's he's off to a great start. He's used more in a rotation uh, than Bosa. Um, so that help both helps and hurts him in, in certain areas of his stats. But, uh, you know, I, I think Bosa has just been so dominant. Uh, and, you know, to think he came into the year banged up, you know, he was, quote unquote, not 100 percent to start the year. Um, I'm scared to think of what he's like when he is 100 percent. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Nick Bosa, for me, is, is the rookie of the year and very much should be in the mix for defensive player of the year. Right. Well, now let's switch gears to trade deadline. Last week, we talked about the trades that were happening, who were some winners and losers. The trade line was um, uh, this past weekend, and, and it was kind of anticlimactic. You know, we were sitting there seeing if we had to update on the clock draft order and and refreshing Twitter by the minute, and nothing really happened um, much that day. So, um I guess, uh, Steve, I'll start with you. What, what were your final thoughts of, of the anticlimactic trade deadline day? And kind of what does this mean for some of the players and teams affected, like A.J. Green slash Bengals, Trent Williams slash Redskins, Jamal Adams slash Jets? Yeah, I, you know, it was an anticlimactic final day and even final two days. Uh, all you saw were a pair of Dolphins trades, Kenyon Drake, and then the Dolphins absorbing Aqib Talib's contract uh, for the Rams to get some cap room going forward. Um, but really it wasn't that, you know, deals were made. They were just made a couple of weeks ago, obviously mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey deal, uh, Marcus Peters, you know, uh, we've seen Emmanuel Sanders, Muhammad Sanu, you know, we saw players, uh, get moved, high picks get moved. Um, I think, I think part of it is, and this speaks some to the Trent Williams situation is, uh, you know, if teams are going to make you know, a big deal. Um, yeah, it's nice that they have two months essentially to to work out a trade, but you're much more likely to trade a, a first round pick or a high round pick for the longer that you have the player that you're acquiring because, you know, the NFL is unlike other sports. There's game plan, you know, there's serious game plans involved. It is not easy. I don't care what position you play, how good you are at that position. It's not easy to just step into a new system uh, obviously, sometimes we see a guy who maybe goes to, you know, coordinator or coach his system that he's had, he's dealt with previously, so they can make that transition much easier uh, with some of these deals. But, um, you know, it's not like baseball or, or basketball or hockey where you still have a, a large chunk of the season. Yeah, you have 50% of the season, but each one of these games means so much um, that I think that's why we're likely to see more deals going forward in future years, but likely kind of what we see maybe more after the first month than say at the actual deadline day. Mm -hmm. Uh, As for the specific players who are impacted, you know, not 
not a good look for these teams. You know, uh, no. AJ Green is not happy with the Bengals. He said he doesn't want to be franchised. You know, him and Andy Dalton are on the way out, uh, as I assume with a number of other Bengals. And why would you not capitalize on on trading? Uh, any or all these guys away. Same with the Redskins with Trent Williams. I mean, there's so many issues going on there with the medical situation, him saying that he would never even consider playing for them again. Uh, and then, as I mentioned before, the, the Jets situation, I mean, it's just very bizarre to have these reports. I mean, there had been rumors for a couple of weeks that Robbie Anderson might be shopped, and that wasn't surprising. They bring in Jameson Crowder. They bring in Demarius Thomas, who obviously knew Adam Gase from before. Um, Robbie Anderson, if they're not going to extend him, why not uh, get a you know mid-round pick for him? But they held out for you know like a second rounder or something crazy, and then um, you know, but then to see Bell and Jamal Adams names thrown out, uh, like I said, that leaves a bad taste in in uh, that situation. What, what's going to happen there? So um, you know, I, I think these teams, I think bad teams need to realize when to hold them and when to fold them and right. I don't think they're good at that yet and that's <laughs> probably why they're still bad um you know i mean like i said you had you had quality picks being moved um you know first second third rounders multiple were moved throughout this trade you know the, this trade window and a lot of bad teams stayed bad by not not moving guys when they could have uh i get you want to maximize your value but the alternative is you're minimizing your value by just holding on to these guys and not letting them, not getting something in return for them and just hoping you get a comp pick for them two years from now. Uh, to say nothing of the fact that the cap room that you can create by trading away a guy, I mean, that's why the Rams gave up a fifth round pick to save themselves like $4 million against the cap for future years. Right. So, um, you know, smart teams, I think, typically make smart decisions and bad teams typically you're making bad decisions and unfortunately it just shows kind of the gap between the haves and the haves nots in terms of quality front offices. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, Brad, were you surprised by any, any of the names mentioned on, on um, trade deadline day, like Jamal Adams or any of the, um, you know, moves or not moves made on, on the, around the trade deadline? Yeah. Um, I think one of the more surprising things were some of the Jets names that were thrown out. Um, I, I agree with, you know, everything Steve's been saying about this, but I also want to bring up that the Jets next six games are all winnable. Like yeah. the toughest team they play are the Raiders. I know I was just talking about how they've been playing better than we thought, but you know, they're still three and four and very winnable game at home. Right. And so, you know, they're after, after that, you know, you also want to su- surround your, your, franchise quarterback with the best players you can have can right. get or you already have um and if you're just going to trade all that away you might as well trade darnold as well like you know <laughs> just blow the whole thing up start over but you know they're i think there's more talent on that team than their record suggests you know losing darnold for three or four weeks i don't remember how long it was but you know that really hurt them to yeah. get off to a, an okay start so that this part of the schedule would you know push them into wild card contention but um you know they they still have a shot at winning some games at least um see where darnold can progress and you know he's not facing the patriots you know every week um so i don't see why it just it's just confusing you know yeah agreed Um, 
they built, a, I think, a solid team. And, you know, all they need is a couple more pieces. And they could be, you know, a wild card team next year, even because I don't know if the Patriots are going to lose the division. But, you know, the wild card's wide open. So that was very confusing. Confusing. Um, Absolutely. Another thing that just didn't make sense, and I think this is just, if it wasn't for Dan Snyder, the Bengals would oh, be, God. Would be <laughs> the, just the bottom. Like, you had to have known that at some point, you know, at 0-5, 0-6, that you're probably not going to start Dalton for the rest of the year. Not that, I mean, Dalton's not really been playing. He's not the sole reason why they're 0 and No, right? no. You know, he's been playing mostly fine. He's missed some throws. He gets rid of the ball too quick sometimes. Um, but he's been playing fine, and there's a, a few teams that could use a quarterback like Dalton. I don't mm-hmm. know, the Bears. There have been a lot of talk that they've need a new, needed a new quarterback. Um, and, you know, Dalton's done nothing wrong to to uh, sit on the bench or at least get a shot to be traded somewhere. You know, it, it also really prevents them to either get an extra couple picks or another player that could be um, progressing towards um, peaking in the future. You know, it just that was kind of confusing, too, because they had to have known that, you know, they're going to bench Dalton after a couple, right. you know, that thought at least is going in, into their mind that maybe we should kind of blow things up. Also trade A.J. Green, you know. There's a lot of teams that need a good wide receiver. I know he's still coming back from the injury, but maybe he comes back a little faster right. um, from that injury. You know, Jalen Ramsey became immediately healthy after he got traded. <laughs> um, so... It's just, it's like teams that know how to tank, like the Dolphins, and then there's more teams that don't know how to tank, but they're still tanking, like the Bengals, the Redskins with uh, Trent, and then, um, I forgot the last team, but it's just, why hang on to these players if you're, if you, one, you know you're not going to make a run, like, don't, don't kid yourself, like, I think, I think a lot of people are, are a lot of front offices just tend to end up being stubborn or, you know, just not thinking it all the way through. So I think that was the most confusing part of the whole situation is these team, these tanking teams not being able to unload their players. Absolutely. Yeah, as a Redskins fan, I feel for Bengals fans because they, they seem to almost have an equally inept, you know, owner, front office, whatever, because that was bad. Um, but what we did was... Well, that one, too. Thing, one thing I wanted to add is, is and it, it's, I feel like a lot of front offices don't understand the new, and I say new, I mean, they've been around since the, uh, uh, since the 2011 uh, collective bargaining agreement, the new salary cap is you can carry over cap, unused cap space. If for say the Bengals traded away Dalton and AJ Green, they would have, in addition to any picks, they acquired in those deals, and I think in the AJ Green deal, especially, they'd be a couple good picks. They would free up like an extra 12, 15 million from the cap for next year. Like that, that's huge. That, that's yeah. A massive amount of money. Uh, and also, there was rumors that the Patriots were, you know, interested in Tyler Eifert. And I'm mm-hmm. sure the Patriots, yeah, that would have been like for a seventh round pick, but again, save a few million against the cap like um 
you know, like teams don't, a lot of these teams just don't seem to understand that and don't understand that value. And, you know, like that, that's, again, that's why they stay bad. Um, because it, it's not just about the picks. It's not just about, uh, and then the other thing is it can also open up the door for some of your young guys to step in. I mean, that's obviously, um, you know, the consideration with, you know, say the, the Redskins had they traded some of their, you know, like Josh Norman or some defense, you know, defensive backs. They drafted a lot of like late round corners. Give them a shot, throw them out there. They're probably not good, but give them a shot, see what's out there. Um, you know, like you got to take a shot and you got to know whether you're in it or you're not. And these teams don't, they don't understand it. They, you know, teams like the Redskins and Bengals, they're going to go out and win three or four games and say, hey, you know, second half of the year we went three and five or, you know, four and four and we're a good team or we're we're going to get it next year. And, and no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's so. beyond it's beyond frustrating. And and uh, just one final thing. And what you said about the Jets is exactly right. Like they have this easy schedule. And they're actually likely the team who, over these next eight games, will go like four and four, and they will say, "Oh, hey, if Sam Darnold was just healthy all year, you know, mm-hmm. our offense would have been better." And I, you know, I don't. I think they maybe would have won one or two more games, but you know, whether you're a four-win team or a six-win team isn't a big difference, especially when you're ranking like near the bottom in every statistical category. And that's what I feel like with the Jets is they just had no game plan, like they. You know, Adam Gase didn't apparently didn't want Le'Veon Bell, and and then all this comes out. You know, it's just a nightmare situation of teams not having a game plan, not having a long term plan, uh, and they just end up shooting themselves in the foot and just waste these years of these elite talents like Jamal Adams or, or you know, the you know the Jets are wasting Sam Darnold's years and could set him back for his entire career with if, if they don't get it right soon. So. Um, yeah, you just hate to see the ineptitude that, that is out there in, in front office or, or head coaches that have too much power. Yeah, and you guys have both pointed out with Adam Gase, he's, his coaching decisions are pretty pretty poor, but then their front office made some pretty poor decisions this week too. So, um, yeah, not, not some good looks on some teams. Let's skip ahead to um, the NFL game of the week to watch for each of you, and then we'll jump into fantasy. What, um, Brad, is your game of the week to watch for the NFL? Um, I think the Ravens and the Patriots are the game to watch. I think that's an obvious choice, but I, I think this is the the first time. I mean, this is definitely the first time the Patriots will be playing someone. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I saw a fun stat that, so the the Patriots are number one in points per game, and then the Ravens are number two in points per game um, scoring. Um, the The Patriots have punted the ball forty three times. The Ravens have only punted it eighteen times. This Patriots offense is not as good as the scoreboard suggests because of the defense has been scoring for them. Yeah. Now, there's. I mean, even if you watch a game, you can kind of tell that they're struggling with things. You know, really moving the ball down the field and scoring. Um, so it'll be interesting when they're facing when a defense can't just dominate um, a, a weaker offense like with Will and you know good field position scoring on defense. And also another thing is one of the one of the few coaches that are 
good at game planning coming off a of bye is John Harbaugh, and he's going to have a game plan. The re- he always plays the Patriots well. He, mm-hmm. he knows how to break the team down, and you know this could be the first loss for the Patriots. Oh, you is that a a bold prediction, hot take, or just I, uh, uh, it could be the first loss? I picked them in my office pick them pool and okay. put them at a confidence of either one or two. So okay, <laughs> very low. but I did pick Baltimore. So okay, <laughs> Steve, what's your game of the week to watch? Uh, yeah, I, I think if we knew Mahomes was playing this Sunday, that Kansas City Vikings game would be there. Um, and that could happen, I guess. Uh, but, um, you know, it's the Patriots-Ravens game, especially in how narrow the AFC is in terms of quality teams. These are maybe two of the best, especially, you know, with you know when you look at Kansas City. And, you know, we don't know what Mahomes will be when he comes back. Um, you know, we see Houston, they just don't seem like a complete team. And you now they're dealing with a, a big loss to Will Fuller um, for, for quite some time. And, you know, the Colts, you know, these these are the only teams that we have in the Bills. Bills just suffered a loss to the Eagles. Uh, Colts, you know, they, they keep winning. And, you know, uh, last second field goal by Adam Vinatieri. But, um, you, you know, you just feel like, like Brad was saying earlier, like they seem to be winning above their level of talent right now. And we'll, you know, you just wonder when they face a team like the Patriots in the playoffs, are they a real threat or not? So Ravens theoretically are that threat and uh, we'll find out for sure. Um, I tend to think the Patriots win this game. I do agree their Patriots offenses has some issues, but I also think that the Ravens defense is pretty poor. I don't think Marcus Peters was enough. Um, and I also feel like the Ravens offense has beaten up on some bad defenses. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see yeah, the, the Patriots are just so well coached. I just don't see Lamar getting, you know, the seams that he's gotten to run through and, uh, you know, big plays downfield. Um, Patri- there's no better, there's no better defense at confusing young quarterbacks. And, uh, I, I just think Lamar, and the Ravens could be in for a long day. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I, I think the under is where mm-hmm. I'd, I'd look to go. Um, but Agreed. I, uh, I see the Patriots winning this. I, I just I have a tough time betting against them right now. Sure. All right, guys, let's switch to fantasy football and just do some, uh, instead of really breaking down player by player, let's do some quick uh, kind of takes or strategies. Um, the biggest one being... Um, on DraftKings, Christian McCaffrey is priced at $10,000, and right behind him is Dalvin Cook. Do you pay up for him in tournaments? Do you play one, both, neither? What do you think the best strategy is this week, Brad? Um, so for tournaments, I think it's worth playing you know, a lineup or two with either one of them. Um, and cash, I, don't, I just don't see how you can, can play them. Um, you know, they're just so much. And with the way that DraftKings has been pricing the quarterbacks this year, mm-hmm. you're looking at, you're playing, you know, Derek Carr, which actually isn't a bad play this week. Um, but someone like Mitch for 5000 like nobody wants to do that. You have <laughs> Fitzpatrick for 4800 Um, Like the past couple of years, you were able to jam in these guys like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. you know, team jam them in because quarterbacks used to be, you know, 
someone priced like around five thousand. Yeah. yeah, Jameis Winston wasn't sixty one hundred every week. Josh <laughs> Allen's not sixty five hundred the past two years. So they've really um, up the price of good play quarterbacks this year. Um, and I think that has really prevented them going in the uh, team jam women mindset. Right. Right. So I, I think for cash, I I probably won't play them. Um, as good of the matchups and workloads that they're going to get, you kind of have to try to jam them in um, to tournament lineups. I just, it's just so much in cash now that I, I don't think I'll be playing them. Okay. All right, Steve, what's your take on, on uh, Team Jammerman? Uh, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think I am okay jamming in Cook. Um, one, he's 500 less, so that helps. And, and he's much closer to the Jammerman pricing of Love Bell and David Johnson and Zeke and Saquon uh, in recent years. I mean, 10,000 is, I, I don't think, we ever saw Bell or Johnson or any of those guys get to that point. Uh, typically, they were 90, 95, maybe 96, or, or 9,000 to 9,600. Um, and Kansas City's been a nice team to run and, on. Yeah, yeah. Kansas yeah. City, you can run on them. Backs, you can throw on them. It's also going to be a much higher pace game, I believe, even without Mahomes. Uh, I think it would be better with Mahomes if, if Mahomes is playing. But I, I do think it's likely to be a much higher pace game where – Carolina, Tennessee, I mean, this could be a grinded-out game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure McCaffrey will get the requisite number of touches, but he might only have very, very few touchdown opportunities. And, you know, with at that kind of price, you need him to get, like, 35 points to even consider it paying off, and that's tough even for him to do without multiple touchdowns. So I think the, the, the total plays will be down for Carolina, um, and just scoring opportunities. I mean, I know Tennessee uh, got run on a little bit, has gotten run on a little bit at times, but that's a good defense. And I just feel both offenses are going to be a little slow paced. So um, I, I like Cook, but yeah, it's tough. The pricing this week, there's not a lot of value that I see out there. So I think it's a lot tougher this week. Yeah, well, that was going to leave me. My next question is, if you were to try to jam one or both in, what are your favorite savings, player savings? And then if not, who are you pivoting to, Brad? Um, so I want to just go back to what Steve was talking about, how sure. 10,000. Um, there was actually one week where Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell were over 10K the same week. I remember this because I was like, I'm just going to jam them in. You know, <laughs> the rest of the lineup's very iffy. That ended up scoring like 80 points, you know, because <laughs> they both had pretty poor games. And I think that's a thing that you also have to consider is they're not a guarantee for even 20 points. Like if, um, you know, they go out there and get 15, you know, that's a decent, you know, season long fantasy game. But in DFS, that is just going to kill your lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to what you were saying, I quarterback wise, I kind of like or kind of a, a cheaper stack I like is the um, Derek Carr, Tyrell Williams um, mm-hmm. stack. They're I both like under 6K. The Lions, their defense isn't as good as people might think. They can't really stop the run. Um, and that Josh Jacobs is another guy in play for me um, instead of, you know, Cook and CMC. But their secondary is banged up. They just traded Diggs. You know, that that's going to 
leave some some wide open throwing lanes for for uh, Derek Carr and Tyrell Tyrell Williams has always been you know a big part of that offense when he's yeah. healthy. So I kind of like that as a cheaper stack. Um, I kind of also like um, Chris Herndon if he plays. I know he's been extremely questionable, but right. um, you know the matchup is as good as it's going to get against the Dolphins. We just saw that Darnold um, targets his tight ends last week with uh, mm-hmm. is it Ryan Griffin getting two touchdowns? Yeah, it was Ryan Griffin um, on four targets too. <laughs> I don't I don't expect two touchdowns from Herndon, but um, even in the preseason when, with Darnold and um, he's an athletic tight end and he could be, you know, one of the, the better options at tight end if he does play. Um, Cause after that, you're looking at Chanu maybe. Right. And you know, it becomes a pick a guy and pray after that. Yeah. Tight end can be a wasteland. Yeah. It is. And maybe Dallas Goddard. It's another good shout for that one. That was so, a good call last week, Brad. I almost played yeah. him, didn't, and then he gets a touchdown. Should've, Boom. I should have listened to you. Should have listened uh, to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are some of the guys I like. Um, I mentioned Josh Jacobs for paying down. I say paying down. He is, you know, 6500 but that's right. 3, More 000. reasonable cost, yeah. yeah. 3000 from um from Cook. So, And then I think someone that might be a little on the contrarian side just because of the matchup is Derrick Henry. Um, you know, the, the Panthers have not been good against the run this year. Right. Um, you think, you know, Luke Keekley, Shaq Thompson, some of the more athletic linebackers in the league, you know, they're good at making stops, but we just saw San Fran just run all over them. Um, you know, the, the offense is better in San Fran, but, you know, outside of those two guys, there's really no one to stop the run on the Panthers' defense. They're they are very good at getting after the quarterback, but um, I think you know Derrick Henry could have a, himself a good day if he, especially if he does get the twenty carries that he could get. Um, so right. that's another guy I like. Well, because Carolina has been kind of almost like a run funnel in that they're much better against the pass, right? Yes, very yeah. much so. Okay, Steve, what are some uh, players you're looking at for savings, whether you play CMC, Dalvin Cook, or not? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Brad had some uh, very good ones. Um, I think I really am looking at, even though I I like the top end of the wide receiver thing, I do think there are some guys under 5K. Um, Sammy Watkins, DJ Moore are two guys I'm really looking at. Uh, Danny Amendola, I know, you know, it's, it's a bit of point chasing, but I think it's another good matchup. Matt Stafford's going to throw a lot. Yeah. I think Detroit just can't run football anymore without carry on Johnson. Um, so I, I see that uh, as a good take. I mean, somebody can go down the Mike Williams train again. Um, you know, I don't know why Phil Rivers just can't connect with them. Mm-hmm. Even when like, you know, Keenan Allen is like, barely able to play uh i think an interesting um play though it's it's risky but for tournaments is deontay johnson from the steelers I and mean, he's clearly now involved in this offense uh you know i i know i know the colts play better defense than the miami dolphins and you can't expect that end of the half uh uh play like he got last week but yeah he's gonna get you know six to nine targets uh cold secondary hasn't been great they've been a little banged up they do give up some yard catches and yards they're they're tough to score on uh but th- you know that 
that could be a fine play. Um, so that you know, that's one other one that I would mention uh, low down here. I think that's really where you turn to. Uh, you know, there are cheap tight ends, but all these cheap tight ends are just really throwing darts, and it's just it's just tough because even the top tight ends are you know they've been very inconsistent. So it is better to throw these darts at guys like you know Janu Goddard. Hawkinson maybe someday will will play like he did week one, um, but again you know Detroit has to throw a lot. I, I so hopefully he finally gets the uh, gets connected and gets the targets. I don't get why you know last week versus the Giants he only gets one target. That, that's ridiculous. Um, you you don't draft a guy that high and not target him. Uh, there isn't the value at running back that I see this week, so I do like kind of spending some money there, whether it's two mid-tier guys or one high. Jacobs, like Brad mentioned, is fine, but uh, not a ton of guys that I really like under, say, 5,500 or, or like 5,800. Um, uh, I do One like running, sorry to interrupt you, Steve. One running back that I w- was listening to a podcast to, and I haven't heard an update on is, but is James Conner, what's the update on him? Because if he's out, I think um, Jalen Samuels could be, highly owned in cash and tournaments yeah i haven't seen an update i don't know if you have brad he missed practice today he did okay so i mean that's definitely something to watch because i believe um benny snell is banged up too from a podcast i listened to um and something i was reading the other day um you know so jalen samuels could be that like savings piece that everybody's going to go to so that's definitely something to consider and definitely something to watch you know, Steelers practice reports and obviously reports on Connor for Sunday. Yeah. yeah Snell didn't practice either. So. Okay. Yeah. So Jalen and Jalen Samuels was held out last week, but I think he is. He's, he's, he's good to go this week. Yeah. He's good to go to go. So yeah, Jalen Samuels. And the fact that he gets pass catching work helps too. So, um, but Steve, I'm sorry. I interrupted you continued any other cheapies. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it's not pretty, but with Kenyon Drake getting traded, you know, it does sound like the Dolphins want to show Mark Walton. Jets just trade away one of their defensive linemen. If that team implodes, you know, maybe Mark Walton does something. Um, but yeah, it's it's not good. But yeah. you know, if you if you want a dart, there's worse darts out there. Well, let's wrap up our fantasy talk with um, your favorite QB plays of Week 9. Brad, who are your favorite QB plays of Week 9? Um, I've mentioned them like 50 times. Hey, I'm going, Carr? I'll, I'll probably go Derek Carr, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I might play uh, Mitch in um, some tournaments. You know, it's just so cheap. And um, the matchup is going to be good. Um, but it is Mitch, so you, maybe you can get a nice floor with the running. Um, but uh, there's a there's a huge jump this week between you got Jameis Winston and Sam Darnold in like that 6K area, and then you got Josh Allen at the six and a half K. So there's a mm-hmm. kind of a big jump there. And as I like all three of those guys, but it that these jumps, whether it's on the the top of the running backs or this kind of mid tier in the quarterbacks, it really forces you to do like a two v two in certain situations. You know, you can either play Josh Allen and and X, or you can play Sam Darnold in Y and um, with a different position player. So I think this week could come come down to something like that, especially if um, if one of these top price running backs goes off for, you know, 50 plus or something ridiculous. Um, you know, a 1v1 like that or could, or a 2v2 like that could, you know, 
change the slate for for a lot of people. Absolutely, Steve. Uh, I'm sure you like Carr and some of the guys Brad mentioned. Who are your other favorite quarterback plays for Week Nine? Uh, you know, I think my favorite is probably Matt Stafford. Um, yeah. I, you know, like Brad said earlier, the Raiders have been competitive in most games. Uh, so I think Stafford will have to throw deep into the game. And I also think he just has to because they can't run. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think you're looking at another 300 plus three touchdown game uh, from him. And the other one would be going back to Cousins. I mean, I'd like it better if I knew Thielen was definitely playing and definitely like it better if Mahomes was playing. But Kansas City, they just give up a lot of passing yardage, a lot of total yardage. Mm-hmm. You know, last week against the Redskins, it was a short week. You know, the, the thing with the Vikings is they won't put their, you know, foot on the gas always. But I could see Cousins coming out and having another 303 touchdown game. So, um you know, it is kind of a big spot game for them where, you know, they want to showcase that they're they're real for real. So those would be two. Um, I, you know, I, I do like Russ Wilson if you think Tampa's going to score um, a little bit to keep him throwing because he this, that Tampa secondary, I think you could do some big things with uh, pairing him with Lockett. But, uh, yeah, I don't love quarterback this week. Yeah, um, yeah I don't either. You know, the thing with even Josh Allen versus the Redskins, you know, Allen just hasn't hit 20 points. You know, like he barely uh, cracks 20 points this year. And even in some easy matchups, I, and I don't know if he'll need to. You know, if they get ahead, or, are they really going to lay it on? Uh, I, I don't see it. I mean, obviously he could, you know, maybe double bonus, but he might be out of the game by the third quarter if it's if they're hitting <laughs> a, a 24 nothing shutout. Right. I, I think uh, the Wilson-Winston, the Tampa Bay-Seattle game, I think that could be one of the more high-scoring games yeah. of this week. I mean, we saw Matt Schaub, though, for four, 400 yards exactly. on, on right. Seattle. I don't think Seattle's defense is, you know, no, they're, you can throw on them for sure. I mean, yeah. golf, had, golf had himself a game, and, yeah. uh, you know, Dalton had himself a game. And it's doable. You're really just hoping Winston doesn't become – London Winston so right <laughs> well not just that even last week and granted Tennessee has a good defense but I mean it's just tough for me to invest real dollars in a quarterback who doesn't complete 50 percent of his passes the week before Fair. yeah I'm most more on the Russell Wilson side, yeah so. yeah the hope that unlike Schaub Winston's throwing a couple touchdowns instead of yeah you know also uh the way to beat the the um the Bucks. Defense is through the air. It is, defense yeah. has been very good this year. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, let's wrap it up. Brad has a big App State game to watch. I assume you're picking App State. Are they favored today? Tonight? Oh yeah, they're definitely favored. Uh, I don't remember what the line closed at, but um, they're home. Georgia Southern isn't as good as they have been the past couple of years. So, um, they're definitely favored. I just don't know how much. I'm kind of looking it up now. So, okay. <laughs> 14 okay oh they're favored by 14 okay well that's a that's about to start so we're we're rooting for you tonight uh thursday night football is about to start so uh we'll 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 get jump off the air and uh we will um see you guys next week appreciate you listening and um we'll see you next week after after week nine